in John chapter 19, beginning in verse 28. Look at it with me. It says, later, knowing that everything had now been finished, so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And we talked last week about that statement and how it communicates to us that though he was fully God, Jesus was fully man. He's acquainted with our sufferings. He's felt the pain we feel. And in this moment, he communicated that. But he also communicated that his purpose was to fulfill the scriptures. It goes on to say that a jar of wine vinegar was there. And so they soaked a sponge in it. They put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and they lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, he said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. I want you to think for a moment with me about this statement that Jesus said. It is finished. One of the the arts of Greek oratory, was to say very much with very few words. I would not be a very good Greek orator. They would say it like this. The goal is to give a sea of matter in a drop of language. That was communicated perfectly in this statement. Because in the English language, it's just three words. It is finished. But even more amazing is that in the Greek language that Jesus spoke in that moment, it's just one word. One word that communicates and sums up the greatest work that ever has been done. One word. Archaeologists have uncovered tax receipts from this time period. And on those receipts was the word tetelestai. The word means paid in full. That's the word that Jesus spoke from the cross. Tetelestai. Paid in full. In that moment, Jesus was saying that everything that needed to be done for our salvation is done. It's complete. It's paid in full. It's finished. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, that God made him who had no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the, that's the price that was paid. He became sin so that we could become righteous. Can, can I tell you something that you are probably well aware of already today? You're a sinner. It's true. I'm a sinner. Now, you might be, you might say, I'm a good, wait, you don't know me, I'm a good person. You might be a good person, but you're a good sinner. On your best day, we have all sinned. And and you might be able to look down the row or look at your neighbors across the street from where you live and say, no, 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 I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a good citizen. But that's all your goodness can make you. Because when you stand before God, the standard is not the person that you live next to or the people that you went to church with. The standard for your goodness and my goodness is the very glory of God. And here's what the Bible says about that standard in Romans chapter 3, in verse 23. It says that all of us have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. So if that's the standard, you don't measure up, I don't measure up, we're all sinners. 
But thankfully, there's a comma at the end of that verse. That's not the end of the statement. Because while we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God, look at the next verse. Verse 24 goes on to say, And all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's, that's what Jesus was talking about. Redemption has been paid in full. When he hung there on the cross and said, it is finished. That word redemption is a word that was used in the economy to speak about something that uh, had been owned and then released. Maybe it was because of a mortgage. Maybe it was because it was pawned off. But it was something that was owned and then released that had to be purchased back. But the Bible uses that word redemption to communicate that you and I were created in the image of God. That we are the sons and daughters of God. We are His own special treasure, the Bible says. But we sold ourselves away to slavery. We put ourselves, because of sin, we put ourselves under the bondage to sin. But God, through Jesus, redeemed us. He bought us back. And on the cross, Jesus said, Tetelestai, paid in full. Whatever needed to be done to purchase you back from your sin was done in this moment on the cross. From the cross, Jesus communicated that everything we need to be saved has been done. It's been done. You know, there was a young man that went to a revival meeting at a church. And it was the last night of the revival. He had sat there all week kind of unresponsive. And on the last night, the meeting was over. The people were dismissed. He came up and he found the old evangelist. And he said to him, what must I do to be saved? And this old, tired, worn-out evangelist looked at him and he said, son, you're too late. He said, wait a minute. You mean to tell me just because I waited till the last night, just because you dismissed the people, I'm too late? And the old, wise evangelist said, what must you do to be saved? What must you do to be saved? You are hundreds of years too late. It is finished. Simply believe. Believe and belong. That's what Jesus was saying on the cross. It is finished. There's so many that are reluctant to come to Jesus. Reluctant to surrender their life. Because before them is a list of things they think they must do. But can I tell you today. This is the difference between Christianity. And all the other religious offers that the world has for us. Because world religion is spelled D-O. But Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. It's finished. It's finished. Everything that's needed for your salvation and for mine is done. And today, we want to do one more thing that's participatory in this service to illustrate this moment. And right now, our ushers are going to come and they're going to pass out to us the elements of communion. And while they're serving us these elements of communion, I want to say a few things to you about it. One is that at this church, we practice an open communion. You don't have to be a member here to partake of the table of the Lord. If you believe in Jesus, if he's your Lord and Savior, this is something that Jesus said the church should do. In fact, it's one of two ordinances of the church. The first ordinance that he gave us is water baptism. 
And we've already celebrated that together this morning. Listen, there's only one rational explanation for why in 2017 we take adults and put them in a tub of water in front of a bunch of strangers and dunk them under the water. There's only one reason for doing that. Jesus said you should do it. He said, this is your outward testimony that you've been buried with Christ and you've been raised to life again. Uh, Ushers, you can go ahead and serve whenever you're ready. The second ordinance that he gave the church is the one that we're about to participate in right now. Holy communion. And so I want to ask you, thank you. I want to ask you as these elements are passed out, a little cup of juice and a little cracker representing the bread to just hold on to them. Don't, don't eat the cracker yet. Don't drink the juice yet. We're going to do that together in just a moment. But as they serve you these elements and you hold on to them there. Let me share with you the significance of this moment. On the very night that Jesus was going to be crucified, he gathered with his disciples to celebrate the Passover. Jesus got together to celebrate. And and it's not a coincidence that the day that Jesus was going to be arrested and crucified was the day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You got to understand, and we don't live in this Jewish culture that they were in, but this was a festival that they celebrated every year. It was the day of unleavened bread. This was the festival day on which the Passover lamb was to be sacrificed. And of course, we we understand the the beauty of, of God's timing in this moment is that Jesus himself, the Bible says, is the perfect lamb of God. So that we don't have to come to church this morning with an animal sacrifice. The Bible says that he was the perfect lamb of God. Slain once for the sins of all mankind. Aren't you glad we don't have to sacrifice an animal to get forgiveness? In fact, the Bible says that that old covenant of sacrifice was just a foreshadowing. It could never forgive sins. All it could do was cover sins. They would take the blood of animals and sprinkle the altar to cover over the sins of the people until one day those sins could be fully atoned for. Paid for in full. Paid in full. And here at this Last Supper, Jesus passes out the bread as we're doing right now. He passes out, he passes around the goblet full Of grape juice. To everyone that's seated at the table. His disciples. Just a few hours. Before he's going to be crucified. And in that moment. Here's what the scripture says happened. It's found in Luke chapter 22. Verse 19. It says he took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying this. This is my body. Given for you. Do this. In remembrance of me. Can I just point out to you that Jesus didn't say this is my body taken for you. He said this is my body given for you. That's the plan of God from the very beginning. John chapter 3 verse 14 tells us this. It says just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. So shall the son of man be lifted up. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. And then the next verse 
It's familiar to all of us. John 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only begotten Son. He gave Him. In this moment, Jesus tells His disciples as they're holding the bread, This is my body. It's given for you. Jesus didn't say on the cross, I am finished. He said, it is finished. Everything that needed to be done for our salvation, it's forever done. Tetelestai. Paid in full. Given for you. And then Jesus goes on to say these words in Luke 22, verse 20. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. Saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Can I just emphasize today that this covenant that we're celebrating, a covenant of salvation, a covenant relationship with God, it's a blood covenant. Now, I know that's unpopular and, and some people would say that that's kind of gory. Let's not talk about blood. You know, that's, that's not a, a picture that we want to have in our minds. But let me just emphasize to you today that you can't be saved because Jesus was born of a virgin. You can't be saved because of the miracles that he performed. You can't even be saved because you believe in his teachings. If you believe and follow his teachings, it might make you a good citizen. But still, a sinful, good citizen. The covenant is established in his blood. And the only way to be saved is to put your faith in what he has finished at the cross. Jesus said this blood, this covenant represents my blood that's poured out for you. The Apostle Paul goes on in talking about communion to say in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 26, he said to the church, whenever you eat this bread and whenever you drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we've given you these elements of communion today. Say, why on New Life Sunday would we proclaim death? Because the hope of our salvation is represented in the emblems that we hold today. And if you're here today and maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you haven't put your hope in Him, maybe you saw the testimonies of these children and of these adults, and you realize today you don't have what they have. You need to be saved today. Listen, before you eat this bread, and before you drink this cup, let it find significance in your heart. Don't just take part in another religious ritual. If that's all it is to you, this this is just a snack before you get to lunch. There's nothing mystical or powerful or even saving in the elements, but they're emblematic of something that will absolutely change your life forever. This bread represents a body given for you. This juice represents blood shed for the remission of your sin. Your debt is canceled. It's finished. And the only thing left to be done is to believe. Believe. And you belong. Believe in the Lord Jesus. And you will be saved. So I want to pray for you right now. And I want to ask every believer to 
Pray with me in this moment to let the cross become real and the payment for your sin become fresh in your heart and mind again. Lord Jesus, today, I thank you, Lord, that we can hear the words of Jesus declaring from the cross, it is finished. Our debt of sin has been paid. We don't have to live under a weight of condemnation and guilt. In fact, your word declares to us in Romans 8, 1, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So today, Lord, the only question is, are we in? Father, today, I put my faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Thank you today that my sins are forgiven. Not just the sins of my past, but even the things that I've, I've done this week that have grieved your heart. And even the things that I'll most certainly do moving forward. Thank you, God, that I, I don't have to live under a weight of spiritual condemnation. For your word says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. So today, God, I reckon upon your promises. Your word says that all your promises are yes in Christ Jesus. And in the church, the amen is spoken. So today, Lord, as we receive this bread and we drink this juice, it's our way of saying amen to the work of salvation. We put our faith in you today. Some of us, it's a recommitment to a lifelong decision to follow you. And perhaps for some of us, Lord, for the first time. But today, from our heart, God, we don't take this table lightly. As we come to the table of communion in our hearts today, Lord, we come with reverence, recognizing the price that was paid for us. And we give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's eat the bread together. As much as I'd like to preach to you about the seventh statement from the cross, let me just tell you what it is and give you one very practical application. Seven words Jesus spoke. Seven statements He spoke from the cross. And the last statement is found in Luke chapter 23. If you could put this one up on the screen. I want you to see what happened in this moment. It says, It was now about noon in darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun had stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice. Listen. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. You know, I was thinking about these words. Father, into your hands... I commit my spirit. These are the words of Luke. He's a doctor. He's undoubtedly been present at the death of many people. He knows how this goes. I've had the unfortunate honor of standing at the bedside of many people who have breathed their last breath. And it's usually very labored. And right at the end, there is the onset of what is called the death rattle. And they breathe labored breath, and it's a struggle. That's the way this usually goes. And, and no doubt that's the way that those two thieves that hung on the right and left of Jesus, that's the way they died. But that's not the way that Jesus died. And Luke is very careful to give a very accurate description of what happened. He said, in a loud voice, 
Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Here's what I want you to grab from that statement today. Jesus has authority over life and death. He has authority over life and death. Jesus did not surrender to death. He voluntarily died. He voluntarily died. In fact, the scripture says in the book of John, Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down. And if I lay it down, I can take it up again. Jesus has authority over death. This isn't the only time that Jesus had authority over death. Just a few weeks earlier, many of you remember the story of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Lazarus was a dear friend of Jesus who had died. And Jesus doesn't get to Bethany until four days after Lazarus is in the tomb. The Bible says Jesus went and stood outside the tomb. He told them to roll the stone away. And he said, and it's interesting that John uses the exact same phrase as Luke. He says, Jesus said in a loud voice. But in that instance, he said, Lazarus, come forth. The Bible says the dead man came walking out of the tomb. Jesus has authority over death. When Jesus died... He died with God's word on his lips. In fact, those words, I commit my spirit to you, are found in Psalm 35. It's the first Jewish prayer that every little boy and girl was taught to pray. We might say, now I lay me down to sleep. But the first prayer that they were taught to pray were these words that simply said, I commit my spirit to you. Jesus added one word. When he prayed that prayer, he said, Father. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus died knowing he was the Son of God. And knowing that reality gave him the confidence to not, to not Humble himself in defeat to death, but to lift his voice triumphantly over it and declare victory. And here's what I want you to know today. I don't know when your day of departure is. I don't know what your last word's going to be, nor do I know that about me. But if you can say, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. You know that Jesus is the Son of God and you've put your faith in him. I want to promise you. You can have the hope of resurrection life. You can have the same hope that Jesus had. He said, though I lay my life down, I'm going to take it back up again. Why? Because I am the son of God. And the Bible says that you and I can have the same exact confidence. When I lay my head down for that final time, I know that the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. The last breath I breathe in this life will be the first inhale of glory. I'm going to be with Jesus forever. Why? Because I know that He is the Son of God. And I want to just challenge you today in hearing these words of Jesus to, to reckon upon the promises of God. To have a firm conviction in your heart, first of all, that it's finished. That when the enemy comes against you and wants to pile on guilt and wants to pile on uh, 
conviction about all the things you need to do to be accepted by God, you need to just say back to that devil, it's finished. It's finished. It's done. But the only thing left to be done is the believing. And so you go back to God again and say, God, I believe. God, I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And I want to challenge you today to see Jesus, the Son of God, and to commit your spirit to the Lord. Commit all that you are to Him. Commit all that you have to Him. Follow in the footsteps of these that have been baptized today. These parents that came and dedicated their children to the Lord. These that have made a covenant and said, I'm going to serve in the local church and I'm going to give my heart, my time, my energy, my passion to building the kingdom of God. Follow in their footsteps by putting your faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. I want to invite you to stand with me. I want to pray a final prayer today. Listen, if you're here and maybe, maybe you need to make a new commitment to Jesus. Maybe at one time you were following the Lord, but things have changed and you've, you've reneged on your commitment. You're not following Jesus the way you know you need to. And in this service, maybe it was something that was said through one of the testimonies or through seeing these parents leading their home and And you know, the Spirit of God's been dealing with you today to say this is a day to adjust course. This is a day for you to get things right in your priorities, to align your life with God and with His Word. Listen, if that's you today, we want to pray with you. Don't leave this place the same way you came. Don't slip out like that young man did, missing the opportunity to come to salvation. Take the opportunity today and realize that today is the opportunity For me to get things right with God. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. A prayer of blessing over your life. Over your family. I know we have people from different churches. That you just came to celebrate with your family and friends. We're glad you're here. I want to pray God's blessing on you. And on your church. Listen. When we dismiss this. We want to encourage you to stick around and fellowship a little bit. We've got some cake and coffee out there. We'll make up for keeping you extra long. We'll feed you dessert first. But listen, if the Lord is tugging at your heart today, don't leave this place the way you came. While I pray this prayer, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and we're praying, I want to invite you to just excuse yourself from your seat and come down and find a place at this altar. Some of this prayer team, they want to pray with you. They want to just encourage you and, and bless you and ask God's blessing upon your life. So if that's you and the Lord's dealing with your heart, while I pray this prayer, Would you just make your way to the front of this room? Father God, today, I thank you for new life. I thank you, God, that you are still in the redemption business. Lord God, that you are calling us to the wellspring of salvation. Jesus, thank you today. Thank you for the incredible testimony of the church. God, let the church not keep its testimony in this house. But Lord, as we go out from this place, God, I pray that we would be like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Thank you that each and every child of God has a personal and a powerful testimony that they can share. So God, I pray your blessing on your people today. On those that have walked with you for years and those that are just coming to faith in you today. God, I pray that they would sense the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of them, 
leading them and guiding them in the way they should go. And God, we just pray your blessing as you continue to build this church and the other churches in this community. God, we just thank you for the work you're doing in us and through us. How can we not say thanks? You've been so good. Lord, bless this afternoon. Bless our time of fellowship. And God, I pray you bless the life groups that are meeting this week as they gather together. Lord, let us find strength in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.